Well, uh, it's good to see y'all here. Before we uh, jump into um, our series for us, I, I do want to draw your attention one more time to these Easter cards. And here's the reason why. Um, uh, a couple months ago, we shared with you guys our vision for 2017 as a church. Um, this year, we feel like more than ever before, we need to be a community, a church, a people that is lovingly investing in the lost people in our life and, and then having the courage to invite them. And so we, we've called this um, 2017, this vision that we would be a community that lovingly invests and courageously invites. And I highlight this now um, because I feel like in two weeks, you have a um, greater opportunity to invite than you do for the rest of the year. There's just something about Easter where people are a little bit more open to come to church. And so I really, really beg and I plead of you that you take one of these. Um, maybe you take three or four of them. We have more of these in the back at the welcome booth. And invite a friend, invite a coworker, invite a neighbor, invite a stranger, invite whoever you want, any person who's not connected to a local church um, and any person who's not a believer, would you please, please invite them to Easter? Um, and, and by God's grace, may we see lots and lots of people hear um, the gospel and, and respond to the gospel in a great way. Amen? Any, anybody have a friend or loved one? You, you, you'd be pretty fired up if they came to know Jesus. Anybody? Anyone? Okay, we should, all, we should all be exercising our right to move our hand up high there. Um, so this is an excellent opportunity for that. I, I encourage you to do that. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 1. Um, and, and as you do, we are in the midst of a, a sermon series. Uh, week 4, actually, is where we're at. Next week is our closing week. Um, and, and those of you who've been here know that really this sermon series... Uh, has been birthed a ton out of just my own journey. And, and this sermon series is called Soul Rest, Finding Rest in a Restless World. How many of you have, have found yourself in the past year um, any anxiety, any worry, any stress, any just feeling overwhelmed? Let, anybody, come on, come on, come on. Every mom in the house raised their hand. Um, that's what this sermon series is about. How do we find rest for our souls? And I want to I begin the way that uh, I, I think I've began the last two times I've preached, uh, and, and this story might be familiar. Um, so uh, really where this really came to a head for me is uh, several months ago, I got invited to partake in, in a pastor evaluation, a pastor assessment. And, and as I've shared before, I was actually really excited about this. This was a four-day thing, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And I was excited for two reasons. One is, hey, it's an opportunity for, for me to grow and mature and have other pastors who are supposed to be encouraging and loving, isn't that the definition of a pastor, um, to kind of speak into my life, excited about that. The other thing I was excited about is I, as I saw what kind of hotel they were putting me up in, and I was like, come on, this is going to be great. And I got to bring Melissa with me. So double great. And so I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be incredible. And honestly, I went into this week already on empty. I went into this week already just overwhelmed, exhausted, um, and, and just, just full of anxiety for several other reasons. And so I'm thinking, this is gonna be my season of rest. This is gonna be my week of rest. Anybody, you thought that, you're like, I'm going away or I've got this week set aside and uh, it's gonna be a breath of fresh air. And sometimes it is, and then sometimes you are so wrong. And that, that's kind of what happened. We, we come to this pastor assessment and they sit us down and there's about five other couples with us, started, there started of six of us, one didn't make it through the first day, kind of some health issues, um, plus this was just a, a, a brutal assessment. They, they shared with us, hey, we want to let you know that you're going to be here till 8.30 tonight. Um, tomorrow we're going to need you back here bright and early, and then you're going to be with us until 8.30 again in the evening, um, and, and there were no breaks, zero breaks. Um, we had lunch together and dinner together, but we were having lunch and dinner um, at the same table as our assessors. Um, and, and so the, the other thing they shared with us is not only are these going to be long days, 
but we want to let you know that our goal is to find your blind spots. Our goal is, is not to find your strengths. We, we took about five or six different like personality assessments. They already knew all that about us. They said, our goal is to find out the things wrong with you that you don't, you don't quite realize. <laughs> That's encouraging, right? Um, and and, and they, they said, we want to also let you know that at the end of this, there's going to be three different outcomes, one of which you will receive. The first one is this. We do not recommend you. We will sit down with you, and, and for our love for you, we are just simply going to say, we do not recommend that you go into ministry. We do not recommend that you church plant. We just don't recommend you for this kind of job. We hope that sets you free other than, rather than destroy you. Um, and then the other, they said, okay, um, the other uh, result might be this. It, they kind of called it like a, a partial recommendation, and literally what that was is, hey, we don't recommend you yet. Um, we want you to spend the next 9 to 12 months doing all of these different things we are going to prescribe. Then you get to come back and do the assessment again. Yay! And hopefully you'll get the third result. The third result is we recommend you, but. Um, there was no like, hey, the best result is we recommend you, you are set free. The best you can get is we recommend you, but. We recommend you, but here are some weaknesses, here are some blind spots that you have. And, um, and so this week for me was overwhelmingly exhausting. And um, I, I shared in the past couple weeks that I got to the very last day. Um, by the way, they had like a psychologist that you met with, and I swear he was like, I've got 30 minutes to find out what's wrong with you. And he, and, and, and it worked, and it worked really well. And on the last day, li literally, um, they, the guy gets up and he preaches this sermon uh, to a bunch of pastors. And there's nothing like hearing a sermon from another pastor when you're a pastor, um, but we need it. And he, and he pretty much said to us, not pretty much, he literally said um, at the end of his sermon, so I want to let you know that some of you are going to go into these back rooms um, it was in the basement is where they gave us the results, by the way. Um, some of you are going to hear the results, and, and you're not going to hear what you want to hear. But I want to encourage you. But I didn't listen to that part. I got lost. And after telling us everything that's going to go down, they said, okay, um, we're going to break you up, and you're going to go and hear your results. And I was so exhausted, overwhelmed, um, filled with anxiety, uh, like, 50% of it had to do with the week. The other 50% had to do with I was like purely on empty going into the week. And I remember I said to Melissa, I said, I, 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 can't, I can't do anymore. I, I, I cannot take another second of this. I just, I need to leave. I need to get out of here. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Melissa said, you know, well, like, what do you need? What, what do you need? Do you, you want to like go to lunch after this? Or do you, do you want to do something fun this week? Like, what do you need? And I don't know if you've ever been to the place where your soul is so filled with anxiety, so filled with being overwhelmed that, that you come to this place where nothing sounds restful. Nothing sounds like reprieve. Not even like a ticket to a different country. And that's where I was. And I literally looked at her and I said, I, not, nothing, nothing sounds good. I don't even know. And I think the moment where, uh, where it, it really took a turn for the worst was the day before that. When the psychologist I shared this a couple weeks ago called me into his room for the second time. Got called into the principal's office twice. That's never good. And he's like, hey, Zach, um, I know that we had your session yesterday. <sighs> you know, the deep breath thing. Got to love that. But I want you to come in my office after you're done uh, with this little thing, and, and I want to talk to you. And he sits me down, and, and he says, hey, we want to let you know that, you know, you guys get done here at 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, and go back to your hotel. The other 10 assessors here, we stay and spend hours talking about each candidate and tr really trying to figure out what's going on and, and what's needed, strengths, weaknesses, blind spots. And Zach, something has come to all of our attention. And, and he said, I want to give you a metaphor. You are like a Mercedes. Anybody, you, you like where that's going? Yeah. You done right? Like I'm, I'm a Mercedes. Maybe a red one. And, and, 
And he said, you, you are like a Mercedes. You like to go fast. You, you like to be high performance. You, you, you like to get things done. Amen, amen, amen. Let's wrap this up and get out of here, okay? And then he said, but, no but, no but, no but. He said, but Zach, there, there's a problem. Um, you're like this Mercedes and the instrument panel's not hooked up. And, and, and so what you don't realize is that you are going so fast, you are, 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 are trying to get so many things done, um, you are overworking yourself so much, and, and you don't even realize it because your instrument panel's not hooked up. You, you can't see. And he said, well, what do, you, he said, what do you think, Zach? Agree or disagree? I said, well, like I kind of agree. I really like that Mercedes part. But I, but I said, you know, I, 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 I kind of agree. Here, here's where I disagree. I think my instrument panel's hooked up. I just don't know what to do about the readings on it. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I felt like I'm looking at my dashboard and I'm going, okay, I'm on empty, but I don't, I don't know how to get more gas. Okay, the, 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 the C and the H, the, the, I think that's the temperature of the engine. Okay, it's getting really close to the H. I don't know how to cool it down. Okay, the, the oil light is on. The check engine light is on. All the lights are on. And I don't know, I don't know what to do about it. I said, that's how I feel. And he said to me, and this was really hard for me to hear. I don't know if you've ever had someone tell you this, but this was really hard for me to hear. He said, Zach, um, this is because you don't, you don't know how to process your emotions. Zach, it seems to us that you've got all of these emotions in here, and you don't know how to bring them out. And because you don't know how to bring them out, they just stay in there and tear you up. And, and kind of just wreak havoc. And he said to me, I think one of the things you need is you need professional help. And I said, okay. And, uh, and he shared the same thing with Melissa. I said, I think that you need, you know, with, with, with ministry, with, um, with foster care, with, 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 with what's going on in your life, and you don't know how to deal with it, I think you literally need to sit down with a professional and, and learn how to get all your emotions out. And I didn't like hearing that. Um, but I followed up. I'm like, okay, so this is where we get personal. Like, you know we're at a good place when I'm telling you I go see a counselor. Not a therapist, a counselor. It's a difference or something like that. Not, not that there's anything wrong with seeing a therapist. Um, so I get back, and I take them up. Okay, I'm going to go. They said, you know, bring Melissa with me. Bring Melissa with you. And, and they had mentioned, like, hey, we think Melissa has the same issue. I don't, I don't believe that. I think she's perfectly good with her emotions. There's just nothing wrong with her life. Um, and, and just she's just easy. Shannon, is she not? Shannon, you are the sister of Melissa. You know these things, but I know her better. Um, and, 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 and so she comes with me. And so we spend the first couple sessions together and, and really get to some bottom of things of, of, of what's going on in my life that I didn't even realize, naming some emotions that, that I didn't, didn't want to name, really. And after, like, two weeks of this, um, I, I, I'm, I'm good. Like, like, literally, so this was back in the beginning of November, and I, all of November, wreck, December, kind of coming out of it, start seeing a counselor, um, and after a couple weeks of it, I'm good. I am really, really good. And I'm thinking, I'm in the clear. I'm through that. My soul has found rest. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's, that's in my past, and forevermore, things are going to be good. And then two weeks went by. And all of a sudden, I'm back to where I was before, just feeling overwhelmed, feeling, ah. Oh, And what was funny is I, when I was feeling good, I'm like, well, this is sweet. I don't have to see the counselor anymore. Yes. I was back two weeks later. And I share that because as we walk through this series, 
finding rest for our souls, I, I want to let you know on, on just this blatant truth that just, it kind of stinks to hear. That just because your soul finds rest for a season doesn't mean it's going to find its rest there forever. Our soul has this big, big problem of finally finding rest and reprieve in God. And then, sometimes it's a day, sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's a month, sometimes we can make it a year or two. And our soul seems to drift back to that, that exhaustion, that wearisome, that, that overwhelmingness. Anyone, can I get an amen? Am I not the only one? And, and, and we have this problem where our, it's, it's like that, that um, classic hymn, um, my soul is bound, my, I, my, I am bound to wander, Lord, I feel it. Come thou fount. I'm bound to wander, Lord, I feel it. And we all have that problem. It is a joy, it is a delight to come out of that place, but sometimes it's only a matter of time before our soul begins to drift back to that place of, oh, what happened? And I want to look at this passage in Genesis, a massive passage that we could spend weeks, if not months in, and I want to make just three observations from this text that, that my hope, my hope will, will be a help, will be a map for our soul, not to wander back to that wearisome place, but for our soul to stay in the rest of God. And really what we see here is some perspectives that, that we wander from, some perspectives that, that God calls us to look through that we, that we wander from. And so I want to make three observations of this text, and my hope for you is, is that it would be a roadmap for your soul to continue to find rest in God. So in Genesis chapter 1, I, I want to begin here. Genesis chapter 1 is the story of God creating day in and day out. God creating the sun, the moon, the galaxies that are overwhelmingly massive. God created Pluto, and he knew that 2,000, 4,000, 10,000, however many years later, we were going to think it was a planet, but it ended up not being a planet. God knew that. God created it. God creates all of this. He creates the plants. He creates the animals. He creates everything. And then here's our Bible quiz for this morning. He, he used this phrase. The Bible uses this phrase. Let's see if you can get it. He'd look on his creation at the end of the day, and it said this, and God saw that it was, come on, church, way to go. So, so, so let's sit in that for a second. God, who is infinitely good, God, who is infinitely perfect, looks at his creation and says, I am the judge, the standard for what is good, and I'm looking at all this, and you know what? It's good. It's really, really good. And he creates man and he creates woman and he said, this is really, really good. But I want us to notice something here. This is, this is huge. In Genesis chapter one, where, where it talks about the creation of man and woman, verse 27, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, look at this. And God blessed them. You can underline that in your Bible. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. That actually means something. If we have time, we might get to it. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And listen to this. And subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air of the heavens and every living creature, every living thing that moves on the ground. So I want you to notice this. God creates everything, says this is, this is good, and I am the standard of good. Creates man and creates woman, and he says, here's my creation that is so good. Subdue it and have dominion over it. 
What's that mean? I have a study Bible, and I recommend if you don't have a study Bible, invest in one, best $40 you'll spend. I think they're like $39.99 now on Amazon. Listen to what this says. Subdue it and have dominion. The term subdue in the Hebrew, it's kavash. Elsewhere means to bring people or a land into subjection so that it will yield service to the one subduing it. Here, the idea is that man and woman are to make the earth good resources beneficial for themselves. Literally, God is saying, I created this. It's all really good. Man, woman, here you go. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. I wonder if you believe that God yearns, God desires. Listen to this. God created you above all to enjoy him and the life he's given you. We need to understand that God's desire for you is not that you would have a soul that is exhausted, overwhelmed, anxious. God created you for overwhelmingly amounts of joy. Christians should be the most joyful people, the most enjoying people in the world. No one should enjoy this life more than you if you're a believer. And and I'll be honest with you. you. You come to me a few years ago theologically, and I'd go, whoa, 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 future Zach, hold on. The Christian life is to be one of of great enjoyment. What do you do when Jesus says, hey, if you want to follow me, you got to pick up your cross daily. A cross was an instrument of execution. A cross was an instrument of suffering. What Jesus was saying, hey, if you want to follow me, there's going to be an immense, immense amount of sacrifice and suffering. And so you might go, no, 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 no. I thought the Christian life was about suffering. I thought the Christian life was about sacrifice. And you might even point to the New Testament. What happens to pretty much every single believer in the New Testament Do they get persecuted? Yeah. Do they get thrown in prison? Not all of them, a good chunk of them. How many of the disciples are killed for simply preaching the gospel? 10 out of 12. We don't know, Judas hangs himself, so he doesn't die for the gospel. He dies for other reasons. But but Peter, crucified upside down is a tradition. Paul, beheaded. And so you might push back and go, whoa, 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 Zach, hold on. This joy talk, easy on this joy talk. Look at the New Testament. Look at all the sacrifice. Look at all the, all the suffering. Here's what I love about the New Testament. It, is it doesn't try and manipulate Christianity. It doesn't try and manipulate you and I to becoming Christians and saying, you know what? If you come to know Jesus, you know how easy life is going to be? <sighs> Real easy. You will see overwhelming pictures of sacrifice and even suffering. But you know what you see within that and even over that? Joy. Joy, joy, joy. Read the book of Acts this week and just start counting how many times it describes Christians and being joyful. Acts chapter 4 The the disciples are beaten, thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. They are let go. And remember what it says? They left rejoicing. They left in joy because they were counted worthy of suffering for the gospel. You have Paul say, rejoice in the Lord. And it's as if he knew that we were going to battle that. Hold on. Easy with this joy talk, Paul. It says, rejoice in the Lord. Oh, by the way, I'm going to say it one more time just so you get this. Rejoice. James 1, consider it pure joy, brothers, when you consider, when you go through trials of many kinds. Because we need to see, you need to see that God created you to enjoy him and the life that he's given you. My favorite parable 
is in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, and it's one verse. I don't have it up here. The kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I would always read that growing up and go, wow, look at the sacrifice. He sold everything just so he could have this treasure. What a life of sacrifice. But Jesus doesn't emphasize the sacrifice. He emphasizes the joy. In his joy, he left everything. In his joy because he's going, okay, I I have something better than everything else. I, I have Jesus. I have salvation. I can lose everything, and as long as I have Jesus, I can enjoy this this life. And I want you to hear, you were created to enjoy God and the life that he's given you. In fact, there's no greater way that you can glorify God and make God look great than enjoying him. It's kind of like this. If you go to a friend who doesn't know Jesus, and they're like, hey, tell me, tell me about this Christianity thing. And you say, well, you know, it, it, it's, it's awesome because, um, because I get to go to heaven. It's really hard. It's exhausting. You know, something about, like, should really belong to a body of believers and, and belong to a church. And, um, yeah, it's, it's got its hard spots here and there. Um, but you know, hey, it's worth it. You should become a Christian. Like, how awesome am I making God look? Like a C plus at best? Come to know Jesus. He's a passing grade. But, but if you say to a friend, you know what? I could lose everything, and it wouldn't matter because Jesus is better. Jesus is greater. That, that's why you need to know Jesus Because he will give you eternity in heaven. And not just eternity in heaven, he will forgive you of all your sins. And not only will he forgive you of all your sins, but he actually wants a relationship with you. He like wants to know you and you to know him. Like, am I not making Christ look good? Because I'm sharing it with joy. And you just, you need to hear this, that God created you for the purpose of enjoying him. God desires you to enjoy him and the life that he has given you. I wonder if you believe that. I wonder if you live that. I wonder if your friends would look at you and say, man, they they are such an incredibly joyful person. Like, no matter what, they're just filled with joy. Or I wonder if they look at you and go, Sometimes they're a bit crusty. Sometimes they get overwhelmed by the most simplest things. I wonder what they'd say. Now, so we see observation number one, that that God created you and I for the purpose of enjoying him and enjoying this life. But then you know what he does next? Is in chapter two, he seems to single out Three significant priorities. Three significant priorities that stand above the rest. It's as if he says in chapter one, hey, I've created all of this. Enjoy all of this. Chapter two, okay, let's talk about some particular priorities that you should hold as a greater priority of enjoying even more than that. It's kind of like this. God says, I've made fruit good to taste. Here, have it, enjoy it. But how many of you would agree that there's certain things more important of enjoying than food? It doesn't mean we don't enjoy food. It just means there's more important things that we ought to enjoy. And sometimes we, we trade some very significant priorities to enjoy other stuff. Instead, we say yes to so many good things that God has created that it it puts us in a position to have to say no to certain things that are other priorities. Doesn't mean we don't enjoy these 
these lesser things, if you will, it means that we don't trade them for the higher things, these prioritized things. Now, now look at this, but let me start here. If I were to ask you, what should be the top three priorities in your life? The top three things in your life, okay? This comes first, this comes second, this comes third. So let's just play this game. Let's see how, see how this goes. What's the number one priority in your life? I'm throwing you a softball, guys. Come on. Jesus, we, we will accept both Jesus or God. Yes. So that's, that's, that's number one. By the way, there's priority number one, and, and underneath that are things that we engage in. You can't just say, oh, Jesus is my number one priority, and then go live whatever way you want. There, there's, there's, there's ways that you engage with that to keep it your number one priority. So, so we, got, we got Jesus, we got God, our number one priority. What's the second priority in your life? Okay, we got spouse. You could have said, we will also accept family. It's kind of like spouse up here, and then children right here. Okay, number two. Number three, okay, might have some different answers. Um, we'll, we'll run with it. What's the, what's the third priority in your life? I got work. I've got work. Well, let's look at what the text says. Look at chapter, chapter two, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it, and keep it. So, so there, there we have work. This is before the fall. Work does not come after the fall. It's not as if God says, you sin, now you gotta work. God, God appoints work for, some, for, for us to enjoy. What's the second thing here? And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, for in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And, and so what we see here, and this is implied, Genesis chapter 1, all the way till the end of the book of Revelation, where God is our priority. God says, okay, I'm number one, I make the rules, and, and here, follow them, oh, obey them. I'm number one priority. Following me is number one priority. And then what do we see next? Verse 18, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And then for the rest of chapter two, it's, it, it, it talks about marriage. Now, you, you might push back and go, well, Zach, I think you might be reading a little bit more into the text here. It doesn't explicitly say, here's the first priority, here's the second, and here's, here's the third. It may not say that, but... It certainly implies that and certainly points out that work was created for our joy, God was created for our joy, and even marriage was created for your joy. And then you read the rest of the Bible, it seems to paint this same exact picture. Number one priority is God. Number two, it's your marriage, it's, it's, it's your family. Number three, it's, it, it's, it's work. But I want you to see here that God created these priorities for your enjoyment. And, and I want to get a little nitty gritty and, and just talk about how we can enjoy these things. Because for some of us, we're, we're, we're looking at this and go, okay, I'm kind of enjoying God. Work, you know, if it's Friday. Marriage. Just don't ask my wife. I don't I don't know. But, but I want you to see how we can enjoy these. And, and I want to start with the end in mind of why we fail to enjoy these priorities. What happens in chapter 3? What happens? Sin. Isn't it incredible in, in chapter 1, chapter 2, we get this incredible picture of God creating this incredible world, saying, man, woman, Go and enjoy it. Enjoy it. And then a chapter later, we don't know how long, and we can't blame it on Adam and can't blame it on Eve because we, you probably would have done the same thing because you're not Jesus. 
but, but they disobey. They say, you know what? I'm not going to enjoy what God has given me. I'm going to say yes to the only thing he says no to. And I just want to point out that, that when we look at the nitty-gritty of how we enjoy work and how we enjoy, um, how we enjoy work and how we enjoy marriage and how we enjoy God is, is, is our souls will naturally drift. Our souls will naturally drift from enjoying these things God says, enjoy. This is everyday stuff of life, enjoy. And and I want to point out two things, two words, intentionality and perspective. That as we look at these, what we're going to find is really our source of, of enjoying this really comes down to our perspective and our intentionality. So when it comes to enjoying God, he, he I don't want to go too deep into this because I really want to focus on, on work and marriage. But God says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. What does it look like for us to enjoy God? I think... I think one of the greatest places it starts is by simply obeying him. How do you enjoy God day in and day out? Just start with obeying him. Isn't it incredible that that God seems to stack the odds in our favor? He he creates everything and he says to, to Adam, okay, Yes, 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 yes. You can do all these things. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, just, just one thing. There's just one no. And, and yet, his soul drifts to disobedience. You want to enjoy God? Obey, with, obey him. Walk with him. And you might go, well, that, that, that seems like a little rule-based. That, that seems like a little bit legalistic. Well, it's like this. Um, parents who have kids... Do you want your kids to have joy? It, okay, am I the only one? We got some, we need to do a parenting series here. No, I want my kid to be in his room where he belongs in, in, in discipline. You want him to enjoy, right? Yes? Just give me an amen. Tell me you're here with me. Amen? So when you say no, is that your way of saying, hey, um, I don't want you to do this because I don't want you to enjoy this, or, or is it not for their good and for their blessing? Amen? God's doing the same thing. I've created you for joy. Obey me. And if you're like, okay, how do I know how to obey God? Open up his word every day, and he'll teach you. You want to enjoy God? Follow him. Obey him. How about marriage? I want to focus in on two things. In verse 21, it says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones. That, that's a statement of joy. At last. This is not an animal. This is not a dog. Praise the Lord, it's not a cat. It's, it's a woman. Because God had given him all these animals. And he said, finally, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Listen to this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother. So so we we get this perspective that, that mommy and daddy are important. Kids are important. But there is a priority we put upon our spouse. The priority is so significant that we do Leave mom and dad and, and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So, so I want to just zero in on, on two phrases here on, on how we can enjoy our marriage. Husbands, wives, we should enjoy our marriage. It should be a joy. It should be a delight. God did not create marriage so that you could just go, ugh. 
Two things I want to point out. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast. I, I underline that phrase in my Bible. Hold fast. In the Hebrew, it has this idea of it's a covenant and it's a, com- a commitment above anything else. It's, it's literally this hold fast. Just, just hold it. So, so those of you who are married, th- this is saying, okay, hold fast to that marriage. Don't, here's what often happens. We sacrifice the joy of our marriage on the altar of holding fast other things. We, we sacrifice the joy of holding fast to our marriage on the altar of our kids or on the altar of television or on, on the altar of hobbies or on the altar of, of, of hanging out with friends. Listen, all those things are good. All of those things are great, especially if the TV has to do with Gonzaga playing on Monday night. Like that, I can do that to the glory of God with my wife, by the way. But, but I want you to hear that, that one of the reasons why we have a hard time enjoying our marriage is because our soul drifts to saying yes to a lot of good things that forces us to say no to the right thing to the prioritized things. Some of you, you you literally, you can't hold fast to your spouse because you have a schedule of really good things that are allowing you not to hold fast. And here's what's just so frustrating is that you can get away with it and the moment you realize you cannot get away with it is typically the moment it's too late. You can really not hold, spa- hold fast to your spouse long enough to have just enough joy until finally after a decade or two or three, you just go, what happened? Here's what happened. You didn't hold fast to your wife. You didn't hold fast to your husband. You killed it in these other areas. But what about your spouse? Hold fast. Hold fast, sacrifice sleep, sacrifice, sacrifice. I want to be careful here. Sometimes we build our children's schedule to a place where we cannot enjoy our marriage. Know the limit. Know the limit. Your kids want more than anything for mom and dad to love each other. Go on a date night. Just hold fast. And, and here's, here's practicality here. Husbands, I, w- I want you to start this conversation this week. Ask your wife, how can we hold fast to one another? What does that look like for us to hold fast each week? And then I just want to point this out. I, 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 because it's in the text. I'm not, I'm not trying to just be funny or be silly or anytime I get to talk about this subject, I I jump at the opportunity. Hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. What is one flesh referring to? Say it out loud. Okay, you said it, not me, all right? That's what it's talking about. If you don't believe that, Read 1 Corinthians 6.16 6, where Paul explicitly speaks about one flesh with, with sexual intimacy. And, and I don't want to linger here long, but, but I just want to simply say that, that this kind of intimacy, it, God created it for your enjoyment with, with your spouse and only your spouse. And Something happens, maybe not to your marriage, but sometimes what can happen is it can just kind of turn into this, this chore, or it can turn into this thing that, okay, we should do this because we're married people, or okay, fine, maybe not tonight, but tomorrow, and, 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 it, and it, it's not a joy, and I want, I want you to hear that God created it for your enjoyment, and and. That should be an aspect in your marriage. And, and I also want to say that 
I think one of the biggest reasons why this is a hurdle for our joy is because there's a lot of barriers. There are people in here who feel like they cannot enjoy this in the context of marriage because of something that's happened in their past. And I don't want you to go, well, that happened in my past and that's that and, and I, I just, this is the way it's always gonna be. No, run to the pain and get through that. It, whatever the barrier is. And, and so here's, this is a really hard conversation and so, you know, unfortunately, wives, um, this, is, this is typical, I'm, I'm stereotyping this, so forgive me, I'm sorry, but typically, when it comes to enjoyment, husbands don't have a hard time enjoying this. All the ladies laughed, all the husbands were like, oh! So, uh, in all honesty, husbands, ask your wife, how can this be a joy in our marriage? And there might be some painful things you might need to walk through, there might be some things that you feel like are completely unrelated where they're gonna be like, you wanna know how I would really enjoy this? Is if you did the dishes. What does that have to do with it? It just, it does. It does. The lady like, hey, do the dishes. Um, so I, I won't linger on that, but enjoy it. I, I just way ran out of time. Let me close with work. I want you just to simply notice this. I think the reason why many of us fail to enjoy work is because of our perspective. We define joy, we define success in work based upon what we do. Based upon what we do. So here's the what. I, for me to enjoy work, for, for me to see it as success, I have to climb the corporate ladder. If I don't, work's not a joy. For work to be a joy, okay, I've got to make my numbers. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I have to build these benchmarks and reach them. If I don't reach them, I cannot enjoy work. I want, I want you to put on the perspective that God does. Notice he simply tells Adam, here's what I want you to do. I want you to work it and keep it. Nothing about I want to have this much crop when it comes to sweet potatoes. I need you to reach this benchmark when it comes to fruit. None of that. And when you read scripture throughout, when it talks about work, it's typically defining success based upon why you do it and how you do it. Find your success in the why. I worked in drywall my senior year in high school and pretty much all the way through college. That is not what I wanted to do in life, but I found joy in it. You wanna know why? Because I showed up to work, so I get a paycheck to put me through school. So I go to the grocery store and buy 10 packs of Pop-Tarts and 12 boxes of mac and cheese and the value pack of beef, and it would get me through and, and like six gallons of milk to go with the Pop-Tarts. So it feed me. And that brought me joy. Men, women, there, there is joy in knowing why you're doing it. Stay-at-home moms, I just want you, like, it's tiring, it's exhausting. My wife was gone Thursday, Friday, and slept all day Saturday, um, and, and I had the kids all the way through, so I, I'm not saying I'm an official mom here, and I know the pain, and I know the stress, but I did it for three days, okay? So that's got to mean something. I get it, it's tiring, but you know what? There was so much joy in it, because I understand why. I'm doing this. Not to raise an obedient child, but to raise a disciple of Jesus Christ. And, and stay-at-home moms, your husband may be off building a plane at work or building a business at work or building phones or doing, building a business. You are building a child, a disciple of God. And you ought to wake up every morning and go, thank you, God, that I get this pleasure and it's gonna be really exhausting, so will you help me? And then the how. In the New Testament, when it talks about work, it, it, it simply says, do it as if you're serving the Lord. Do it as if you're serving the Lord. There is joy 
and going, I busted my tail at work. I busted my tail and put my kid in timeout six times, and he'll get it five years from now, okay? I, there is joy in that. And I think one of the reasons why our souls so easily drift from, from enjoying God into this place of soul unrest is, is because we drift from what God created us to enjoy. We've turned work into this chore. We've turned marriage into this secondary relationship. And God is saying, I've given you things that you can enjoy every single day. Go and enjoy them. Go and enjoy them. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would remind us that you created us for your joy. And Father, this, this sermon is almost too practical. But God, just help us to enjoy the gift of work that we get to partake in pretty much every single day. Help us to enjoy the gift of marriage that you've given us for those married folks every single day, that we would enjoy it and that we would live out the priorities you've, you've put in front of us for your glory. Help us to walk through that this week. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, as we close in our last song, uh, the offering's gonna come around. If you're a first, second timer, please uh, just grab that connection card. Let that be your offering. But let's just stand and, and just praise God. Let me be singing when 